Sacred Space on West Limerick 102. Welcome back again to Sacred Space here on West Limerick 102. My name is Lorraine Buckley, joined in studio this morning by John and Anne Keeley and on the phone line by Shane Ambrose. And today we're going to have a little look at sacramentals and holy objects or pious objects. Now... I suppose we better start at the beginning, Shane. Mm. Yeah, well, I suppose, can you explain to people why we decided we're going to do this this week? It's holiday season, and people are kind of travelling, and of course a lot of people are going on pilgrimages and visiting sites. So Mm. we had the Dawson pilgrimage to Lourdes in June. I know, of course, a lot of people are going to Medjugorje, a lot of people are going to Knock and Loch Derg and Patima and Rome and all the rest of it. So we said we'd have a little chat about things, what Lorraine said were sacramentals and pious objects, those Mm. little bits and bobs that kind of um, it's, it's an interesting one actually because Pope Francis has uh, you know there, there has been a time previously since the Vatican Council where religious objects and pious objects and sacramentals have kind of gotten a bad press in the church but Pope Francis has a big devotion and a big uh, uh, understanding and he promotes what are called popular devotions mm-hmm. the, you know things that get people through and that they connect with with their faith mm-hmm. So that's why we said we kind of have a chat about it this morning. So I suppose, Lorraine, the first question is, what's a sacramental and what's the difference between a sacrament? (laughs) I I think we'll start off with what is a sacrament first. Mm. And just look at the way in which we're created. We're created body and soul, yeah? Mm. So we have a kind of a material aspect and a spiritual aspect to us. Right. So God uses then the material around us to help us connect in with the spiritual, if you like. And, and, and of course, another point of that is it also links into what we as Christians believe because of the incarnation that you know the, that the, the physical can be help us to the divine. It can help us closer to God. Absolutely, and that's that's exactly what Christ did in becoming man without loss of his divinity. So you could say that Jesus is the first sacrament. We read in St. Paul's letter to the Colossians that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And again, in the letter to the Romans, the love of God was made visible in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So Jesus reveals to us what God is. He reveals God's love, God's mercy. He reveals things about eternal life and redemption. So he's the first sacrament. But then he instituted seven sacraments of the church and just as a little reminder for ourselves we've baptism confirmation and eucharist and they're the sacraments of initiation they bring us into full communion with the church and then you've got reconciliation and the sacrament of the sick which are the sacraments of healing and then you have matrimony and holy orders which are the sacraments of communion and service or mission and uh, people might remember that over the last two years, we have covered um, each of the sacraments on the radio program. Mm-hmm. And if anybody actually wants to go back and if they check sacraments as a tag on the blog, they'll find all of the various programs that we've done on the seven sacraments over the last two, two and a half years. Absolutely. So a sacrament then. A sacrament is something that shows us something or signifies something, but it also makes present the grace that it shows, if you like. Mm -hmm. So baptism, you have the pouring of the water, which is a sign, but baptism also washes away our sins. So sacramentals then are slightly different. Sacramentals, strictly speaking, are liturgical ceremonies instituted by the church that bear some resemblance to the sacraments. They help us to receive the sacraments, but they're not the sacraments. 
So you could kind of say they're kind of the starter before the main course. Exactly, exactly. And that's the way really that they, they should be looked at. Um, the sacramentals help us to prepare to receive the sacraments. And then, you know, say if we, if we go to Sunday Mass, using sacramentals during the week by saying our blessing before meals can remind us again of the Eucharist, can bring to mind the grace of the Eucharist. So Shane informed me during the week that I had um, kind of made a mistake regarding sacramentals, really. I was including pious objects with sacramentals, but we looked it up again. And strictly speaking, sacramentals, there's really two types of sacramentals. The first is blessings, and they're the most important ones. And the second are exorcisms. Now, we'll come to the exorcisms in a minute. But amongst and, it's, and it's not going to turn into an episode oh, of the exorcism. God, no. no. <laughs> we have a monthly baptism program here for our parents. And that's the first thing I say when we come to that part of the rite. It's not scary stuff. It really isn't. So the blessings then. Let's start off with the blessings. Now, the one of the blessings, Lorraine, I think this is something particularly rural, people in rural Ireland would be kind of familiar with in many respects. But it's also a dying tradition Mm -hmm. in some respects as Mm -hmm. well. You know, the idea of blessing ourselves, uh, say, from passing a church. Sure. Mm. Or, uh, you know, the idea of uh, family blessings, particularly... um, parents blessing their children mm-hmm. or uh, just so it depends on the family sometimes you come across situations where you know maybe a grandmother will be asked or a grandfather will be asked for a blessing for, you know when a couple announces they're getting married mm-hmm. oh. you know and they'll you know someone will go and say you know nan or granddad will you give us your blessing on our good news you know mm-hmm. that kind of thing mm, absolutely and that's what a blessing is a blessing is a holy action that places a person or a thing directly under god's care and protection and brings about what's intended in the words of blessing. So, of course, the important thing there, Lorraine, I suppose, is a blessing doesn't necessarily have to be imposed by a priest or a deacon. No. Yeah, it can it, be given by anyone. Can anyone can bless anyone. another person. Uh, but obviously, a priestly blessing has a, a particular gravitas, I suppose you could say, or, you know, more uh, because of the fact it's from a priest. Definitely. It's a different mm. grace. But because somebody gets a blessing, does that uh, if somebody gives me a sort of blessing, do I get the grace because... I'm a good guy, or because you're a good girl, or, or, or how is it? I mean, does that make any difference? No, you're dead right, John. Very, very good question. When you look at the seven sacraments, mm-hmm. the grace is conferred by virtue of the fact that it takes place. It yeah. doesn't. It doesn't depend upon the personal holiness mm-hmm. of the priest or the personal holiness of the person. Mm-hmm. The grace is conferred anyway. But with a sacramental, it does depend upon the faith of the person. Okay. It really does. Now, and this is why. We would also say that sacramentals and holy objects, pious objects, they're not superstitious and they're mm-hmm. not magic. Just well, be- I actually think that's actually a very important point, Len. It's They're not magic items. Mm-hmm. Just because you have, um, uh, for example, a holy medal mm-hmm. or you have a scapular or you're carrying a rosary beads that happens to have been to 50 different holy sites, mm-hmm. in and of itself isn't actually going to do anything. Exactly. It's the fact that you've actually used to pray. <laughs> yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah. It is you know. the faith of the person involved. So just going back to our blessings, then you can have blessings of objects, as we said. Literally, almost anything can be blessed. Homes, churches, cathedrals, rosaries, sacred images, objects, cars, anything really. I've had, I've come across blessings for computers. Loads of different things can be blessed. 
And really all we're asking is that the person, if it's people, um, would be kind of given under God's care and protection and, and the objects too, that they would come under God's care and protection. So, that, Speaking of objects, actually, one, one, one that I, I, I particularly like actually is the blessing of cars. Yes. And, mm-hmm. and particularly invoking God's protection on those that travel in cars. Uh, that, I remember once being inside of the Redemptress, I don't know what I was there doing there one day, but this woman came up to the door and she, she had bought a new car and she wanted someone to bless the car for her. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I think it was, it was Father Dan, he's not, um, his name escapes me, he's not the provincial, but anyway, and he blessed the car. And I remember the prayer struck me because it was about uh, protection of all those that would travel in it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It really is powerful blessings. And then, as you said already, um, Shane, the blessings of persons can include bishops, priests, deacons, religious parents, children, families, engaged, literally anyone again. And it's a nice little thing to get into, actually, mm. is blessing yourself and blessing yourself before you travel or blessing yourself before a big occasion, because you're kind of appropriating your birthright. I get a blessing. Or your baptism, right, Father? I get a blessing every morning before I go to work for my dear lady wife. Well, that's no, very good. I love it. Oh, do I need it, Shane? What you say? I need it. But of course, the other way is a very, a very, a very nice one as well. Is if you're leaving the house, the idea of having holy water beside the door. Yeah, absolutely. You yes. know, and you're blessing yourself as you're going out. So you're invoking the gift of the Holy Spirit. You're mm-hmm. reminding yourself of your baptismal promises. Mm-hmm. You're seeking the protection of God as you travel out. You know, it, I think it's it's a lovely one as well. I just happened to be at a baptism today mm. and you know yourself part of the baptism rite is that people trace the sign of the cross on the mm. child that is to be baptised mm-hmm. and it's a lovely lovely blessing yeah. it's a gorgeous thing to do especially if you have a family at home mm. that is part of the nighttime prayers or whatever it might be that you bless each other that you entrust mm. each other into mm. the care yes. of God, uh, God for the yes. night ahead now we'll move on quickly to exorcisms What is an exorcism? Again, not horror story stuff. An exorcism is a special form of blessing, a prayer in the name of Jesus by his ordained ministers to protect us from the evil one. So there's two types of blessings. There is the simple form, which most of us have seen, uh, because that is the exorcism that is performed at the celebration of baptism. And then the solemn form is the major exorcism, and that can only be performed by a priest and with the permission of the bishop. And that's the one that is kind of, you'd see document, well, not document, that's not the word that you'd use, but that's the one you'd see kind of covered in the films, kind of the one. That's the one that Hollywood likes, mm-hmm. is the solemn is the solemn exorcism. But it's not quite like that. Um, it's an interesting one, actually, Lorraine, that you just mentioned, the solemn exorcism, because actually uh, there's growing numbers of exorcisms being performed. Rome has started to compile numbers numbers of it. Mm-hmm. And in, particularly in Italy, there's quite, a, um, there's quite a large number of exorcisms being performed on an annual basis. And uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting one, but it's also been coupled with quite a large v- a number of uh, s- uh, stealing of uh, the Blessed Sacrament. Wow. And, you know, the link is, you know, some are making the linkages between, because, of course, the whole idea is, and it's something Pope Francis has linked to again and again and has reminded people of, although it's not been picked up in the news, is the devil hasn't kind of gone away. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't gone out of Catholic teaching no. and understanding of the world, you know. And that sometimes, you know, we do need protection from, uh, you know, the evil that is there. It uh, so it's, it's, it's an interesting one just to, just to, just to remember. Absolutely. 
So now we're going to move on to some popular devotions and pious objects. Some of these will be very, very familiar to our listeners. Uh, we'll start off with crucifix and crosses. They're the most commonly venerated pious objects within Irene, the church. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between a cross and a crucifix? I presume a cross doesn't have the body of Christ on it, and a crucifix does. I think. Um, And you'd you'd see a lot of fashionable crosses. Yeah. um, But really, the crucifix is kind of the one that might carry more. That depicts Jesus on it. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Although I I have to rein myself in there because the Franciscan Tau, which is also a very powerful symbol, Mm -hmm. um, doesn't have the body of um, Jesus depicted on it. And there's different forms of crosses, of course. We, in the the Catholic Church, we're used to our particular cross with the the bar at the top. Mm -hmm. The Orthodox have a different form of a cross again. As you said, Lorraine, the Tau is the Franciscan cross. Uh, even there's an, you know, obviously we have the Irish Celtic cross, mm-hmm. there's the Maltese cross, and also, I don't know, Lorraine, if you've ever seen the Irish penal crosses. I haven't, uh, no. Yeah, they're, they're crosses with very short arms, because they were designed to be hitting up a person's sleeve. So there's, very, there's okay. different ways of presenting it, mm. but of course the whole idea is, as Christians, for us it was the very first symbol of Christianity, mm-hmm. and it is a reminder, obviously, of our salvation and the instrument of our salvation. Absolutely. And then that brings us to the devotion of the Stations of the Cross. And I kind of wonder how popular they are today. But if you go into a church for a little period of time, you'll actually see people coming yeah. in very often yeah. and doing the Stations of the Cross. Particularly and during Lent. Yes, exactly. And they are that little reminder again of how much God loves us. Of because, of course, the be- tradition of the Stations is they are the Via della Rosa. They mm-hmm. are the way through Jerusalem for Jesus on his final journey to Calvary and the reminder for us to how we can partake in that journey. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. when you think about it again, you can see how that's connected to the sacrament of reconciliation. Mm. Because when mm. you see what Christ went through, if you're meditating on the Stations of the Cross, particularly if you have a book or really good Stations of the Cross, which are, are very visual, you start thinking of your own sins. And yeah. it does bring about this repentance, mm. which if they're venial sins will be forgiven anyway. But, you know, maybe it might remind us about the bigger sins that we need to go and confess in the Sacrament of Reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Of course, a very popular one, Lorraine, in terms of pious objects, we're talking holy pictures mm. and statues. Absolutely. Now, and of course, now, there's holy pictures and statues, and then there's icons. They're the, the two distinct categories. Of course, uh, one, sometimes you get um, people saying, well, Catholics adore, icon, worship pictures and icons and statues. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's something that's sometimes thrown at us if a person's having, a, shall we say, an ecumenical dialogue. <laughs> um, you know, but of course, <clears throat> the Church's view on it is Christ came incarnate in the world, mm-hmm. in the world. So the prohibition against making icons and religious images has, to to a certain extent, been lifted because he became human. And so, you know, all things things on earth are can be divinized but of course it's a, it's a very popular but you'd wonder Lorraine if it's still as popular as it was you know once upon a time you'd go into a house and you would definitely have an image of the sacred heart on the wall and you might have a statue of Our Lady of, of Lourdes on the corner mm. and you know there'd be a child of Prague on the mantelpiece mm-hmm. and you'd kind of wonder if that's still the case mm. and yet there is a resurgence of some really really good Catholic art mm. Um, and because religious paintings can serve as a catechism, that's how religious art used to teach people, mm. um, especially in days when people couldn't read. They would read by looking at sacred images. And of course, every, every image of a saint is 
an image of Christ, if you like, because the saint imitated Christ. They imitated his virtues. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, again, they can lead us to Christ and to God. It's not the whole idea about having these uh, you know, statues or, or pictures or even stations to the cross. It's there. They're all in the same category the way I see it. Like in, in, in that they're drawing us in, the sta- in terms of station of the cross to Jesus and his suffering. But the pictures and the statues, they're just to remind us of this saint or that saint or whoever it might be. What a, what a beautiful life they led in loving the Lord. And maybe the idea for us is maybe if it's Padre Pio or St. Anthony, whoever, find out a little bit about their life and see, ah, so that's teaching us, that's leading Absolutely. us. Would that be it? Definitely. Rather definitely than just... Yeah, and the idea, of course, with, with pictures or images like that, it, it, it leads you to meditation and to think on beyond the picture, mm. if you like. Mm. And, you know, a call to conversion, a call to think, well, you know, if you look at Padre Pio, you're thinking, well, okay, the life he led, mm. what does that mean for me? What does that mean yeah. for my relationship with Jesus? Mm. And that's, it's like anything we say, you know, when we reflect on Scripture and we talk about the role of Mary in Scripture, Mary always points to her son. Um, it's the same yeah. with the saints. They point to the one beyond them, the one that they followed. And that's the whole idea behind it in many respects. Mm. Absolutely. So now we come to holy water. Mm-hmm. Now, holy water is ordinary water that has been made holy through the blessing of the church. And again, when we are sprinkled with holy water, when we bless ourselves with holy water, we are reminded of the supernatural life that has been given to us through the water of baptism. I often wonder, Lorraine, you know, do people still put holy water fonts in their houses? Well, with heating these days... Um, oh, you have to keep refilling it. You do have to it. keep refilling it because <laughs> it, it evaporates. It just yeah. evaporates. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can keep like a little bottle of holy water beside the door or whatever it is if if the font doesn't work for you but again it's just a beautiful reminder that you are a child of god and that's what your baptism is all about that you've been forgiven that you've been put into this beautiful new relationship with god by becoming children of god the father by becoming brothers and sisters of christ by becoming temples of the holy spirit and it would be lovely if we captured some little essence of that mm. every time we made the sign mm. of the cross or blessed ourselves. Because sometimes I think I can do it kind of without even realizing what I'm doing. Mm. And of course, it's lovely. You know, it's also a great way. You know, we spoke about the sacramental of blessing and just invoking God's blessing with the aid of holy water. Mm. You know, people, if they're going on a journey or if they're leaving the house or, you know, children going to bed at night or your grandkids going to sleep and just, to, you know, that they'll be safe for the night. Or one of the ones, of course, in particularly in some parts of West Limerick, of course, the great tradition on May Eve exactly. that you would go out and bless yeah. the land and yeah. bless the garden with mm-hmm. Easter water mm-hmm. and invoke God's blessing uh, for the summer and that that's ahead, you know. And it's great because, of course, holy water also links in with blessed salt. Now, it's not very common one in Ireland. Um, it generally, most people don't realize salt goes into the holy water. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's very common, actually, in particularly Eastern Europe, mm-hmm. that people would take blessed salt, um, you know, and and uh, include it in just different things. Um, generally, but generally, it's used in holy water. And the prayer actually is is very beautiful. It says, Almighty God, we ask you to bless this salt as once you bless the salt scattered over the water by the prophet Elisha. Wherever this salt and water is sprinkled, drive away the power of evil and protect us always by the presence of your Holy Spirit. Grant this through Christ our Lord. Amen. It's just a beautiful sign again of God's protection. And there, there, you know, there, there are so there are so many um, um, 
I suppose, particular things that we use that can be used in daily life to remind us of uh, you know, the turning back to God at, at all times. Mm-hmm. So another very common one, Lorraine, is candles. Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah. You know, and in, and, in, and in particular, I suppose, we think of candles maybe two times, particularly in the year. One is at Christmas, and one is, of course, the Feast of the Presentation, or, um, and Candle Mass Day in the Feast of St. Blaise. Mm-hmm. When, you know, people... I always think of poor old St. Blaise. Poor old St. Blaise gets invoked mightily <laughs> on the 3rd of February. Mm. And then he's probably forgotten for the rest of the year. Mm. <laughs> mm. You know, but the whole idea of the candle, and particularly it's used, you know, at baptism, a candle is lit, and the symbolism of it is... You know, you're receiving the light of faith, you're receiving the light of Christ, mm-hmm. linking back, of course, to the whole idea of the Paschal candle at the Easter Tridium. And it's, it's a beautiful one because, you know, the whole idea of, of the candle or the light is, you know, it gives warmth and it's just, it can invoke comfort for people as well. And again, it's a reminder, Christ is the light of the world. You know, and we're called to be light for others in the darkness of the world sometimes mm-hmm. around us. And it's, just, it's a lovely idea. And it's always a good thing, I suppose, to have maybe two blessed candles in a house. You mm-hmm. never know, you know, when the need may arise that you may need a blessed candle. It's because a great tradition, I don't know about you, Lorraine, but in, in our family, the tradition was you'd be burning the blessed candles before exams. <laughs> <laughs> uh, particularly in the grandmother's house, there'd be candles lit for intentions. And it's gorgeous. And, of course, um, for anyone, of course, that's housebound, but we're very conscious, of course, about our housebound listeners on the program, uh, that lovely tradition of if you are a person to whom the blessed sacrament is bought, mm-hmm. brought, mm-hmm. either every Sunday or maybe on the first Friday, the tradition that a candle would be lit for the blessed sacrament is in the room. Um, you know, and if, if there was a tradition that you know you would actually go to meet the blessed sacrament at the door with a candle, now mm-hmm. it depends that mm-hmm. you know phys- physical ability and all the rest of it. It's not necessary anymore, but it was a, a, the idea of you know greeting the blessed sacrament with respect. But that idea of having you know a, ca- a candle when the blessed sacrament is brought, particularly to a person who's housebound, it's just and it evokes kind of as well the the reminder of. You know, as uh, lighting that candle, the taking of the moment, it's just that pause in the day, mm-hmm. you know, before the Blessed Sacrament is, is brought in. But how often have we met people who say to us, I've lit a candle for you? Exactly, that actually, yes. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. It but, was but the faith I was in that. someone the other day that was in Lourdes, and the gentleman took a whole list of intentions, right? And it was, it was an interesting one. So he was lighting candle for this person's intention and that person's intention and the other person's intention. And then his sister was with him and she had a whole list of intentions as well. So but what she did was she went and she got a big, huge candle <laughs> and listened for all their intentions. <laughs> you know, it's not the number of candles that matters. No, it's, it's the prayer and intention. Exactly, the faith behind it. You know, that's, that's, that's the point that we're trying to make. Absolutely. You know, um, light, light, be it lighting one candle or 50 candles, it's the same thing. As long as you have the prayer and the intention behind it, you're offering up that grace, to, you know, praying for that person's intention, and you know, of, like you were asked. And of course, there's a lovely tradition in religious orders, and I'm sure it's, it's widely. I came across it in the Poor Clares of bringing the light from the Paschal candle on the Easter vigil around the house mm-hmm. just to welcome Christ into the risen Christ into your homes mm. now that's not always practical when yeah, you're yeah. trying to get from yeah. the church to your home yeah. but, but again, again the, it's a symbol the it face is behind it too yeah. uh, another one I suppose Lorraine of course is the idea of a mar- wedding rings yes I was actually when you sent around the list this one actually hadn't occurred to me mm. actually but of course during a wedding the rings are blessed mm-hmm. 
So in and of themselves, of course, they're, you know, they're a reminder of, the, you know, the circle, the gold, is eternity, reminds us of the eternal love of God and the love of the couple involved as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a, they're a beautiful idea. You know, may the Lord bless these rings that you give to each other as a sign of life and fidel- love and life and fidelity. You know, it's a beautiful one, I think, as well. Now, Ryan, there's a lovely one there, I'm sure, that's very popular, the rosary. Absolutely. Mm. Well, I suppose the rosary combines kind of a number of things because it is the rosary beads, but it also has the crucifix and very often it has a sacred medal or an image. Um, And again, it's not so much the act of carrying the rosary with you, as Shane kind of said Mm. at the start of our little discussion. It is using the rosary. Mm. Because the rosary, again, as Shane kind of mentioned, Our Lady is always pointing us to Christ. And the um, the decades of the rosary, the meditations that go wrong with them, they're all moments, events from Christ's life. They're not about Our Lady as such. And so it's a lovely meditation that we can use to come closer to Christ. In fact, to look at Christ from the viewpoint of Our Lady, if you like. Um, now, Shane, you surprised us by saying you have a five-fold scapular? Yeah, scapulars are an interesting one. And a couple of years ago, I was kind of curious about them. So I did a bit of looking around just to see what the story was. People, I suppose the most common scapular in Ireland that people would be probably familiar with is probably the brown scapular, which is associated with Our Lady of Mount Carmel. Mm-hmm. Then there's another one, which is the green scapular, which is promoted by the Daughters of Charity and is associated particularly with Sister Concilio. Uh, anytime you meet Sister Concilio, chances are she'll give you a green scapular. But the whole idea of scapulars, Lorraine, is they were kind of bands of cloth that were originally associated with religious orders. And people, and they were, they were very practical garments. Mm-hmm. They were big, huge aprons that covered, you know, the monks' um, clothes while they were working. And people, people wanted to partake in the life of the monastery, but they couldn't actually live in the monastery. So this mm-hmm. whole idea of uh, wearing scapulars as part of, you know, signs of commitment um, and being part of the community. That's where the whole idea of these scapulars came out of. Mm-hmm. Um, now, of course, like we've been saying all along, the wearing of a scapular is not exactly, um, you know, in and of itself, it's not magic. You know, the whole idea behind a scapular is it, it's a call to conversion. It's a call to a particular way of life, a call to a commitment to do certain things. Mm-hmm. You know, so generally scapulars are associated with particular religious orders. So there may be a requirement to say certain prayers, do certain acts, reflect on certain things. That's the whole idea behind it. But there are many different scapulars. As you said, there's, 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 and you, you can even get what's called a five-fold scapular. So it's made up of different scapulars, like the brown scapular of... Uh, associated with Mount Carmel, there's the Passion Scapular, there's the Scapular of the Holy Trinity, the Scapular of Our Lady, of the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady, the Scapular of the Mar- you know, there's Scapulars all over the place. And they were very particular, because they're generally associated with, with religious congregations, but they used to be associated with religious congregations. <clears throat> but the whole point, of course, again and again, they're not magic, they're not... They're not, uh, you know, tr- you can't be superstitious about it. Exactly. The whole idea is it's a call to prayer, a call to commitment, a call to conversion. So just to finish up. Mm-hmm. It just finally, on that note, um, blessed medals we didn't get to, but I'm sure many people have miraculous medals and everything Miraculous else. medals, I think, would be the big one, Lorraine, that exactly. we would say to people. Mother Teresa had a great devotion to miraculous medals. And, of course, I would always promote the Medal of St. Benedict. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that one. So to sum it all up. To sum it all up, sacramentals and pious objects are there to lead us to the sacraments, which in turn lead us closer to Christ. Now, because our gospel is going to be looking at the loaves and the fishes, I thought it would be nice to finish this section with a um, Eucharistic hymn. 
And the hymn we've chosen is Panis Angelicus, and it's by a local choir. It's by the Holy Trinity Abbey Choir in Adair from their album Sacred Sounds. So let's have a listen to this. Sacred Space on West Limerick 102.